guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, there's so much excitement. There's a plan, there is a vision. It's almost not an option anymore because everything can be seen so much clearer. Man, this could go over here. Shelves could be put in right here and placed here. Cabinets could be placed over here. And the, this color of paint, this would go great on this wall. Man, and, and man, this, this kind of decor, these different items, that would just really tie in the whole room very nicely and just make it so warm, so welcoming. Man, people would just really enjoy this. It would help people connect and have fun. They'd feel comfortable. This is my wife, Christy, explaining to me her vision for redoing our basement in our house. And, and then, now this has actually happened several times where Christy will explain to me her vision for something. And then th this is kind of what my response goes. Yeah, but do we really need that? I mean, I think I mean, it looks good. Why can't we just leave it the way it is? And then she'll probably understandably get a little frustrated and be like, you just don't understand my vision. Um, and I will admit, most of the time, I don't see everything that she's talking about, you know, and saying. And, uh, and at the end, you know, um, it, it does look great. And it's like, wow, you're right. And this, this is so much better than, than what I thought, because uh, she's just so good at, at having an eye for those things to make something better. Um, but, you know, in this, you know, that Chrissy has this vision. She wants something. She wants to spend time. She wants to spend money to have this vision become a reality. And I just don't see it. And I don't really want to spend the time, and I don't really want to spend the money to make it happen. Not that any of you guys have ever had this part in a relationship where you don't see eye to eye and you have this disagreement. I'm sure that doesn't happen for any of you. But, but there's this disconnect in what we want to see happen. Um, you know, and, and so why is it? Why does something like that happen? You know, it, why is it for Christy that it's almost kind of, it's not optional to, to do, you know, to, to redo the room? But for me, it's entirely optional. Is it just that I don't understand her vision? Don't understand her? I think it's actually something different than that. I think that here's the bottom line of why for Chrissy it's not an option for us to proceed and to spend time to spend money on this. And for me, it's like, oh yeah, I'm totally fine not doing any of that. It's this. She really cares about it. And I really don't. Right? I mean, that's, that's the line. You know, she's like, man, th this is so just part of who she is. She cares about our home looking a certain way for other people. Where I'm like, I mean, I grew up in a trailer, like a single wide uh, back in New Mexico, you know, so it's like you could, you could take the guy out of the trailer park, but you can't always take the trailer park out of the guy, you know, and so like when I was growing up, it wasn't like, how should we redecorate this trailer? You know, it's just like, you know what? I think, I think we're just going to go with it. We've made a choice, you know, and I'm super appreciative for how I grew up, but it's just not on my mind. And, and you know, this is true for all of you, you know, think of something in your life that's maybe optional for you or not optional, and for somebody else, it completely is. And the reason that it's optional or not optional is based off of how much you care about it, how important you think it is. I mean, for working out, for some of you, I mean, again, this is not optional. 
I mean, tomorrow you're going to go work out. You're not just the, the New Year's uh, crowd for 2021. I'm going to get in shape. No, you've been doing this. You know, I'm a runner or, you know, I'm not. You, you know, <laughs> maybe one of you are. You know, like, man, I got to do this. You know, and then for the rest of us, it's like, meh, you know, hopefully I'll get around to working out. It's a little bit more. I don't, I don't care about it like that. Uh, you know, or, or maybe picking somewhere to eat. You know, some of you are just about fine with anything. Oh, hey, you know, let's just grab some Taco Bell. You don't care what you're putting in your face. Go to Pizza Ranch. You know, you don't, you don't care if you're eating that stuff. But, you know, for the rest of you, you're like, no, I want food. Um, you know, I want something good. Uh, and if you're like, wait a minute, Pizza Ranch pretty good. Okay, whatever. But, um, you know, or, or maybe it's how you dress. Or, or what kind of car you drive. Or, or maybe you're really into how do you invest money. And for somebody else, it's just really not that big a deal. Maybe it's taking family pictures. Watching a certain show. Doing these things and participating in something is totally related to how much you care about it. How important you think something is. How much value it has. But what about God? What is extremely important to God? It's so near and dear to the heart of God, but you know, then for God, acting on it is just not optional. It's so important to him. He has to do something. He has to take action because he cares so much about it. It's not an option. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So turn to Luke 15. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. While you're turning there, we've been going through a series uh, just called Family Matters. And it's just talking about what kind of church family do we want to be here? Um, I, you know, we're a family that, that is unified, that's created by Jesus. He's the one that makes us a family. It's not any of these kind of more superficial things that, that really connect us. Or unite us. And we talked about being a family uh, to belong to one another. That we are in these real relationships with one another. We're not primarily an audience to watch, hear somebody speak. Or we're a family to belong to. And then last week we talked about being a family to grow with. We want to really grow closer uh, to Christ and to know Him. And today we're looking at um, a family to go with, which goes with our, our core value of out. So here in Luke 15, Jesus actually tells three stories. And, the, the, and they kind of increase in intensity. And they're revealing to us God's heart. What does he think about people? What does he think about the lost? What does he think about you? I mean, sometimes you might even be thinking that yourself. Hey, what does God really think about me? Let's take a look. You know, first Jesus tells us a story and he says, there's a shepherd and he had a hundred sheep and one of them went astray. You know, one of them is lost and he says, what does the shepherd do? He put, you know, he kind of puts the, the 99 in a safe place. They're okay. And then he goes after the lost sheep. And then when he finds it, he puts it on his shoulders. Uh, you know, sheep are dumb. That's not just going to go back. It's like, I'm going to even carry it back. And then he's going to rejoice that the, the sheep was found. And then it goes on, um, you know, to um, the second story. And this story about a woman who lost a valuable coin, and it's, it's, she has now not 100 coins, she has 10 coins. And kind of each coin represents a day wage. So it's a decent amount of money. And I mean, this might even be the only money that this woman has. And she loses one coin. And it says she looks diligently. She looks all day until she finds it. And then when she finds it, she rejoices. 
Now, the question is, is why would this lady tear up her home, look all day diligently for one coin? The answer is, is because it's that valuable. It's worth that important. I mean, like, are you going to look all day for a penny? You're going to tear up your house for a penny? You're like, no, nah, it's just a penny. Hey, but what if you lost your phone? Right? I mean, you're looking, you're looking for that thing. Your wallet. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to be texting other people like, where is my, you know, trying to find, where did I lose my wallet? If it was like a stack of cash, again, you're doing that. Penny, no, but for the, I mean, God is saying, hey, all of these things, the person is, is going after them, is looking diligently, going out until they find it. Why? Because it's that valuable. It's that important. And then we get to the third story. So let's take a look at it. Verse 11. He said, as Jesus, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have come into me. So he distributed the assets to them. Uh, you know, now when we read this and we, 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 the son says, hey, dad, and he's the younger son, hey, give me, give me uh, my assets. We kind of think like, okay, whatever, you know, does the dad just kind of write him a check and poof, there it goes. No, I mean, this is in the ancient world. I mean, this is a very big ordeal. I mean, this will take the dad days, maybe probably even really weeks to get everything put together, to, get, to give his son, uh, you know, the, the assets and kind of his share of the inheritance. And also, his, basically, when the son says this to his dad, it's kind of like him, him telling his dad, you know, I kind of wish you were dead. You know, I don't really want you, I don't really want to be around you, but I want your stuff. Get, give me my inheritance so I could get out of here because I don't want to be around you. And so that's what he's doing. But the, but the dad, even though this is kind of a really big insult to the dad, slap in the face, the dad um, grants his request. And then we see now, you know, uh, verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had, and he traveled to a distant country. He's out of there, and the, where he squandered it. So his dad gave him all this stuff, and then think about this. Basically, the son doesn't even care, doesn't even respect all the hard work, all of the inheritance that his dad ha had earned, had worked for, even probably the son had worked for. He just doesn't care, squanders it away. And then verse 14, after he spent, a severe, uh, spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went out to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed the pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched a pig eat, but it's pretty gross. There's never been a time where I thought, that looks pretty good. Hmm, I wonder what that tastes like. Right? I mean, it's disgusting, but he's, so, he's such in this, this bottom place where he's like, man, I wish I could eat that. That, that eating pig slop is better than what I got right now. And so he says, but no one would give him anything. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. Here's what I'll do. I'll get up. I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So, you know, the son's kind of like, all right, I'm going to go back home. He's, he's rehearsing the speech. Here's what I'm going to say. And then notice when he, what he, in, his, in his mind, he's thinking, I think my dad would make me a hired servant. But the thing that, the son, that is not in the son's mind is actually restoration. It's not this thought of like, okay, hey, I think my father will receive me back this way to make me a worker. But there's, there's nothing in the son's mind that, hey, I'm going to be received back as a son. That is not what he's thinking at all. Why? I mean, let's, let's be real. If, if this was you or in some similar situation... Maybe you have a fight with your spouse. Maybe you have a fight with your kids. Maybe you have a fight with, you know, your friends, whatever it is. And you know that either they have messed up or you've messed up. There's this, this pause in your brain, in your heart of like, uh, I want things to be right, but I've done this. I mean, for me, if, I, if I've done something where I'm like, you know what? I was kind of a jerk to Christy earlier. That was not okay. That was sinful. Uh, rubber shoulders. That will get things going better. Hey, babe, I'm sorry. That will be a lot better than just, I'm sorry. Right? And we're, we all kind of think of these things. And this, this lost son is like, hopefully I could be a, a servant. I could be a, like that. And so then, so he goes back. Then verse 20. So he got up, went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. I mean, like, guys, think of this. This is, it. I mean, like, your boy is home. This son of mine is gone. I don't know where he is. Is he alive? And he sees him from far away. And the only response that the dad has is just compassion. There's not this, like, well, look who's back. There's no thought of like, man, my son has insulted me. He has just squandered everything. There's nothing like that in the dad's mind at all. It's just, oh my gosh, my son, my boy's home. He's so excited. And he runs to him and he throws his arms around him. And he kissed him. Man, this is, it's his boy. He's home. He's so excited about this. And I just encourage you, you know, if you're, if you're making notes, if you're underlining the Bible, verse, just underline that in verse 20. Circle, underline, highlight that. The father saw him. He ran to him and he filled with compassion. He, he threw his arms around him. Then look at verse 21. He says, the son said to him, all right, here comes the speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven. And in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told the servant. See, the dad doesn't even let him finish the speech. Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I mean, notice what the son was wanting, he didn't get. The son was like, hey, just make me like one of your hired servants. Dad has nothing to do with that. Mm -mm. No. Let's put a ring on your finger. Let's put sandals on your feet. Let's put a robe. Let's throw a party. Why? Because my son, not my servant, 
Not somebody who's going to work for me, but my boy, my son is home. And so he, he, this father doesn't just forgive him or receive him back. The father restores him to being a boy, to being a son of him. So incredible. And so then we, so they're celebrating. Verse 25, now his older son was in the field as he came near. He heard the music and the dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning, hey, what do these things meant? Oh, your brother is here, he told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he is taken back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But father, or he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving for many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so I could celebrate with one of you, uh, celebrate with my friends. But the son of yours who devoured your assets with prostitutes, and you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. I'll admit, I, I can be like this older brother, where I'm like, man, it's cool that he's back, but gosh, that guy's a jerk. Right? I mean, if you really think about it, because if you're the older brother, you're like, man, hey, I've been kind of doing my job. I've been doing the right things. I've been walking the tight and narrow. And then this son, right? He, the, you notice the older brother doesn't even refer to him as my brother. He doesn't want anything to do with him. You're this son of yours. He's back. And see, the, the older brother is wrestling with this. Not because he's, not because the younger brother is back, but because the father restored him and is actually being honored as his son. And I just want you, you know, to, to notice this. You know, I, I mean, when I'm doing good, I, I think like the older brother. But when I act bad, I want to really be treated like the younger brother. And I just want you to notice something. Notice the heart of God that causes him to action throughout the, really this whole chapter here. What, what moves the person in the first story, the, the, the shepherd, to go after a sheep? He leaves the 99 and goes after it. In the next story, the lady looks diligently, diligently for the lost coin. When the, when the son is still far way off, says the father ran to him. And actually, even with the self-righteous, kind of Pharisee, older brother, what does the father do? It's the, fa the, the son is out there pouting. And what does the father do? It says that he goes out to him and pleads with him and entreats him. Son, please come back in. I want you to be with me. I want you to celebrate with me. That's the heart of God, that, that, that God goes after everyone. God is going after everyone. And so, so if, you know, for you, if you ever think, what does God think of me? How does God really feel about me? And, and the, the part in your, in your brain that's causing you to really hesitate and to really question what God thinks of you is because you know some of the stuff that you've done. You know, some of the stuff just in your, in your past or something that's been done to you, and you're like, I don't know if God really accepts all of that. And this shows you, I mean, 
Jesus is telling us like, hey, you want to know how I feel about you? This is how I feel about you. I go after you. I run to you with compassion. I want you. I love you. And why would I keep looking for you so diligently? Why would I pursue you? Because you're that important to me. I, 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 I won't, I'll keep looking until you're found. You're that valuable to me. I can't, it's not optional for me to not look for you. You're so near and dear to my heart. That's what I think about you. I love you and I demonstrate my love for you and that I came for you. Jesus became human. Jesus died on a cross and he demonstrated his love for us that, that while we were still sinners, while we're like that younger brother, that younger son, while I'm still a sinner, while I'm not doing great, while I'm just like, yeah, I've, I, I've messed up. I've sinned. I'm, I'm dead. I'm, I'm lost. Christ died. He loves me. And it's not based off of anything that I do or anything that I can do, but based off of what Jesus has done for me. I could be made right with God. I can have a relationship with God. I could be forgiven because of Jesus Christ alone, because of the gift that he's given to me. And so, man, trust in Christ. Today could be the day where you just turn to Jesus and say, I want you, God. I want you, Jesus. So we, we read in these stories, this, this just honestly just like beauty of Jesus, this beauty of God to just say, hey, this is what I think about you. This is my heart towards you every day. Not when you got it together. Every day, every moment. I love you. I care for you. Right. And, you know, when we read these stories, I think that that's our typical kind of thought about it, is that this is what God thinks of me. And you know what? It should. We should think of that and how God pursues us. But here's the other thing to it. It's not just you that he thinks that about. It's also the person next to you. It's also the person in your workplace. It's also the person in your neighborhood. It's also that person that has hurt you, that you don't like. God is after them too. That's God's heart towards everyone in this city, everyone in your neighborhood, everyone in your household, that kid in your class. He wants them. And, and, and because Jesus so loves, so values the lost People, he has to, he asked to act. It's not an option for him. He cares about them so much. Luke 19, 10 says this, Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, 15, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Luke 5, 31, 32, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is God's heart in action. I have come. I have searched. I am searching. I am pursuing you and everyone around you. That's what he, he saves us to himself, to this relationship with him, to reconcile us to himself, but then also to change us, to shape us. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
The old is gone, the new has come, and he, he, he wants us in this relationship with him to enjoy him, to know him, but also so that more of who he is would shape more of who we are. So that we become more like Christ, have more of his heart, more of his life, more of his goodness in us. And that, that includes like enjoining him in his heart and running towards the lost. Hey, this is what I'm about. This is what I care about so much. It's not optional for me. Let's go. Have my heart with me and do this with me. And the more and more that we have the heart of God, the less of an option it'll be to run to the lost. You know, last year, Alex and I went to this church planner's assessment. Um, and during this time, I was convicted. Because, you know, when you're in church ministry, you, you kind of know, like, well, yeah, of course we want to see new people come to Christ. Of course we want to run towards the lost. But to be honest with you, in some ways in my life, it was a little bit optional. It was like, hopefully I get around to it. It's kind of like icing on the cake. Hopefully it happens. And the reason that it was, was yeah, it's important. You have to do that. And yeah, you, you, you have to do that if you're in, you know, a pastor. But in my heart, it was a little bit optional because I didn't care like God cares. I needed more of God's heart to shape me, to care about what he cares about. And it was, it was through this passage that God just convicted me and just moved me. It's like, hey, it's not just you, Ricky, that I think this about. It is your, that neighbor down the street And so we, you know, you, I think in, in this, we just need to ask ourselves, I mean, really not just because this passage, but over and over, but like in the, just to ask yourself, am I being shaped by the heart of God? Not am I just doing stuff, right? I think, you know, in a lot of times, you know, in church world, they just be like, well, just do this stuff. Do this, do that. I don't think that's the main thing. You know, when it comes to like evangelism or running to the lost, is it, is Am I being shaped by the heart of God? Is more and more of my delights, the things that I care about, lining up with just what Jesus cares about? That it actually moves me to action. You know, because the more and more that we have the heart of God in us, the less optional running to the lost will be. And you know, when we think about it, remember, that's what Christ did for you. He ran to you. He, he came for you. He pursued you. He searched diligently. He ran with compassion towards you. When, when you were not at your best, when you were dead in your sin, all of those things, Christ did that for you. I love in 2 Corinthians 5, you know, when, when he talks about, hey, you're my ambassadors, and I've given you this message of reconciliation. Back in verse 14, it's like, okay, hey, what moves us this way? It says, for the love of Christ compels us, controls us. Man, what am I driven by? What's motivating any of us? It's not just, hey, go do evangelism, church. It's, man, the love that Christ has for me actually changes me. And then I no longer want to live for myself, but I want to live for God. 
I want to do this because, man, hey, hey, you don't know Jesus? Let me tell you about him. He's amazing. It's the gospel that, that drives us. And so, you know, we've seen God's heart for the lost. We see how Jesus ran towards us and how that, that moves us to have his heart and running towards others just like he, he ran towards us. And so I want us to just quick, just think through of like, well, how, how does this actually encourage us to, you know, to live this out? And then also to, to, to kind of overcome some of the hindrances and the roadblocks that, that we have in our brain when it talks about, you know, or when we think about running to the lost, when we think about sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus with others. So God's love helps us see that really he is the hope of the world. Because I think a lot of times we don't actually fully believe that Jesus is the only way to God. Right? I mean, if we really thought that the only way for anybody to be saved is through Jesus, I think that would kick up the urgency for us. But when we look around and we're like, well, that guy seems okay. I mean, he's not a total jerk. Seems fine. And then we, because his life seems fine, we think he's fine. But, but Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it, the gospel, is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. Not other stuff. The gospel is the power of salvation. In Acts 2, it says, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There, Jesus is not a way to God. He's the way, the only way. And when more and more of the love, like we were like, man, this is God, his heart, his love for us. Man, he is the only hope of the world. Nothing else even comes close. God's heart for, for us, for the lost, helps take the focus off of us. Because I feel like a lot of times when it comes to, you know, going, you know, go make disciples, go out, you know, share the gospel. A lot of, we, we tend to get really focused on ourselves. You know, we think, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, or I'm not this humongous extrovert. And I get that. I don't think I actually have the, the spiritual gift of evangelism either. But we all have the responsibility to share Jesus. And truth is, you might not be an extrovert. You know, we're probably, us extroverts are praising God for you, so it gives us more chance to talk. <laughs> right? But, but here's the thing that you do have. If you trust in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Right? He's the one that has the power. You, and you, you, nobody's going to come to Christ just because you're an extrovert. Exactly. Right? It's because of Christ. And we're not pointing people to our slick presentation. We're pointing people to Jesus. And I think sometimes we can even feel a little like cautious in sharing it because you're like, man, my life's kind of messy. Yeah. That's why we need Jesus. I'm not pointing you to my like, awesome life. I'm pointing you to Jesus. And so, and, and just be encouraged. God's given you different strengths. He's given you different gifts. Maybe you have hospitality or just, you know, gentleness, listening, one-on-one -on -one conversations, all of those things. Use those for God's glory. Jesus', Jesus strategy to reach the world is not awesome extroverts and charismatic preachers. And when we look in the book of Acts that we are going through, it is just ordinary people filled with God's extraordinary spirit with the gospel on their lips. That's what's going to happen. 
It's not, it is not about us. I mean, you, you, I mean, God's love helps us again to not think about it's us, but you might be thinking like a hindrance is, is like, well, it'll feel awkward if I share Jesus with somebody. Yep, it will. I don't, I don't know if I have anything other than for you. I mean, it does. You're like, you know, I, you know, I just embraced it. You know, I'm just like, hey, this feels awkward. Uh, yep, hey, okay, moving on, you know, but just remember, hey, Jesus got awkward for me. Jesus got uncomfortable for me. I can't, you, you know, you might be thinking, well, I'll probably say the wrong thing, Ricky. You know what? You might. You probably will. And, and yeah, we all want to share the gospel, uh, you know, accurately and, and correctly. But again, it's not how awesome you share the gospel. Trust in God with it. He's the one that draws people. He's the one that works in people's heart. In Numbers 22, God spoke through a donkey in the King James Version. It uses a different word. And if he could speak through one of those, he could speak through you. Right? <laughs> You, you might be, or another hindrance is, what, what, if I, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? First, I've never really seen anybody just gotten all their questions answered, and then they're like, I'm convinced. And they're just like, okay. I, I just haven't seen it. Also, don't, like, I don't know all the answers to, to my own questions. And, and, and here's a good thing. If you get to a place in your faith where you have all the answers, like, all the questions answered, it's either one of two things. Either you're dead, or I would just say you're God's puny. Right? I mean, God is infinite. He's huge. He's all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful. And then us, we have these finite brains that we're trying to make sense of an infinite God. If we, if we ever get to a place where it's like, oh, it just everything makes sense, I'd be like, well, God's probably pretty little. Right? In your, at least in your brain. He's so big, we can't fully understand him. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers to that. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Man, I didn't come with you with wise words and eloquent speech. It's okay. Some of you might be thinking, you know, a hindrance to like, hey, let's run to the lost. Like Christ ran towards us. A hindrance might be like, wait a minute, we're not going deep enough. If we, if we become about lost people... And, and, you know, sharing the gospel with lost people, I don't know if we're going deep enough. Think about this. God changing us and us experiencing his heart in our lives, that's going pretty deep. There's, and, and I get we want to grow. But we're not, like, if, if sharing the gospel with other people isn't helping you grow, like, like, man, I feel like most of the time that the, that I constantly need the gospel. I don't need it just to become a Christian, but it's to mature as one. And lot, I mean, many times I, in, in just preaching the gospel, it's like, wow, actually, this is, this is helping me go deeper in my faith. And, and so even as we, we live this out, we're going deeper in this. You know, God, God didn't intend for us to just, like, get there and, and learn a bunch of theology for nothing. You know, but, but not, he doesn't want us to be this stagnant pond, but a flowing river. I mean, even the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, they're, they're all on the same river. The Sea of Galilee has fish, and it's alive. The Dead Sea has, is dead. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. Pretty simple. Right? But why, why the difference? Is because the Dead Sea, there's nothing flowing out of it. God has this, you know, even Paul says, God was pleased to reveal his son unto me so that I might reveal him to the Gentiles. 
Maybe you have a fear of being rejected by a friend, and you're like, man, that causes this, this hesitancy to, to, to pursue them, to, to share the gospel with them. And you know what? That might happen. But I would just say, but do you care enough about them to risk it? You know, I, I, I love what Jesus says about the Father in, in, in Luke 15. It's just that when he saw him, he just ran to him with compassion. He ran towards us with compassion. I think if it's just like, man, more of the heart of God gets in us, we're just going to run towards people. Why? Because we're just filled with compassion for them. So just some last little things of like practically, what does this look like for us to run to the lost like Christ ran towards us? First, pray. Pray. I mean, if, if God answered all your prayers, who would actually be coming to Christ? You know, but pray that God would change your heart. Pray that God would change their heart. Pray that God would give you boldness. Pray that God would give you strength. Pray that God would give you, um, you know, just an opportunity. But just pray. Just start praying for the other person. When we say us being a family to, to go with, it's like, hey, and it's not just up to you. People in your city group, people in your huddle, people just here, just we're praying. I mean, there's people that I know that I'm not really that involved with, with sharing Jesus with, but I know some people in my city group are, and I'm praying for them. I'm praying that God would use them, and, and, and I know that they're praying for me. So we, we're doing this together. So first thing is pray. Second thing, pursue. People aren't projects. People are people. This is not a checklist thing. Just pursue people. I think sometimes when we hear this word evangelism, we feel like we have to kind of, or, you know, going to the lost, we think we have to kind of get like in, in presentation mode or something. I, I, don't, I don't even know. But I would just say we're pursuing people. And, and what that looks like is just inviting people into your life. Just be around them, be in a real relationship with them. And so, hey, if, you, if you're like, man, I really like the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, yeah, hopefully they win today. But, you know, just be like, well, I'm going to watch this game. Just invite them over to the game. Hey, I really like golf. Well, just invite them over to golf with you. Hey, I like to read God's word. Great. Just find somebody you know, that, that's lost and just be like, let's read this. Well, you're weird. Whatever. Let's do it. You know, but like just pursue them as a real person. But I'd say, I'd say evangelism, evangelism and running to the lost is much more about just doing life with somebody than some, just doing some polished presentation. Right? Yeah, we share the gospel. But just pursue them. They're a real person. Even in Matthew 28 when he says, go and make disciples. How that would kind of translate to us is as you go. As you go live your life. As you're doing whatever it is you're doing, make disciples. So just invite them into your life. And again, do that together. I mean, so somebody in, in our city group, they said, hey, um, this was you know, a year ago pre-COVID. They're like, hey, I'm just going to do Sunday night football. Okay, great. And you know what? Because of somebody in my city group, that gave me an opportunity to invite my neighbor. And I was like, man, I don't know if I would have done that. Right? But so we did it together. And then the last thing is just share. Share, we all share what we're passionate about. It just flows from us. We talk about, you know, sports and food and movies and politics, you know. I mean, something that I've been wrestling with is like, man, what if followers of Jesus were as passionate and excited about making disciples as they were about politics? Man, I think the world would literally be changed. 
right? Because the love of God that he has for us is so much better than anything else. Man, when I was lost, he found me. He forgives me. Man, Jesus loves me like that. And so just share. Share what God has done in your life. You know, it doesn't have to be this ABC, here's how you trust in Christ all the time. Just share what God's teaching you. Share, share, share struggles. You don't, again, it's not your perfection. It's, man, Jesus is good. This is how, man, I'm in this hard spot, or I was, but Jesus met me in this. This is how Jesus has worked in my life. And so what I want us to do right now, you know, so, you know, in 2021, we're saying, hey, who's your one? Who's your one person that you are just praying for, that you're pursuing in a relationship? And, and then, you know, as, as things happen, as you're in this relationship with them, you share Christ with them. You share what Christ has done in your life. So who's your one? So right now, I just want to encourage you, we're just going to take, you know, a couple minutes, and I just want you to pray and just say, God, who do you want me to run to? Who do you want me to have compassion on? And just ask God for that to, you know, maybe somebody comes to your mind really quick. Maybe somebody doesn't even come to your mind today, but just keep praying and say, God, who do you, who do you love like that? And you want me to, you want to use me in their life. And so we're just going to take a couple uh, moments to pray and then I'll close this. Heavenly Father God, Lord, thank you, God, that, that you care for us the way that you do. And Lord, I pray that, that, Lord, that, that you would just continue to shape you, our hearts into being more like yours. Pray and ask for that, Lord. I, I see that that um, is happening. I pray that you would do even more, that our hearts would be like yours, that you'd shape us. Lord, that we would be compelled, that we'd be controlled by the love of Christ that you have for us. Um, Lord, I pray um, that, Lord, that, that to each and every one of us, Lord, that you would just guide us, Lord, in, in who do you want us to pursue? Who do you want us uh, to run towards, like, to, as a person, as a person that we care about, Lord? And not that this is, this is some, like, checklist or project, Lord, but it's a person that we, we care about, God. So I pray that you would, you would do that. And Lord, I pray that we would pray for them consistently, God, that we would pursue them intentionally and that we would share Christ with them boldly and wisely, God. Lord, I pray that, that we would become more and more of a family to go with, to run after the lost just as you ran towards us, God. Not just because, hey, this is just something that we're, we're doing, Lord, but it's because... We love them, Lord, because we just love people the way that you love them, Lord, and that more of who you are is being just lived through us, God. We ask this in your name. Amen.